time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. They say that hindsight is 2020. We're going to put that to the test on today's show. Thanks for being with us. It's another edition of Reengineering Your Finances. Walter Storholt alongside Charles Weldy, founder at CP Weldy Group, serving you throughout the Delaware and Chester County areas with an office in Chad's Ford, PA on Route 52. Find us online at cpweldygroup.com. Charles, you ready for another great show today? I'm ready, Walter. All right. Looking forward to our conversation. Um, Just like any decision in life, making financial choices sure would be a lot easier, Charles, if we had the benefit of hindsight. I'm sure we can all recount many times where we'd say, oh, yeah, in hindsight, I'd like to do this or I would have done that. Um, Very easy to to think of examples of that. So I want to talk about some things that we actually have heard from people in the past who wish they'd gone about things differently in retirement planning and financial planning after they've looked in the rearview mirror. And I think this will help us learn from maybe the mistakes of others, Charles, or maybe not so severe as mistakes, but just, hey, it would have worked out better if I had done it this way. Um, So I think this should be a lot of fun. I'm sure you've had people who in some way, shape, or form have said the things that I'm going to bring up on today's show. Uh, Have you ever had somebody who maybe was in your office, maybe in the last couple of months, who said, you know, I got really scared after the market crash during the coronavirus pandemic and put all my money in cash. And now I'm kicking myself for missing the huge run-up in the market. I'm just sitting around waiting for it to crash again so I can get back in. Well, it's funny that you mentioned, like, did anything happen recently? I was in um, Louisville, Kentucky on March 12th, and uh, I was at, like, a, a seminar, the last seminar I went to that was not virtual. And uh, I got back to my hotel room and I had a message from an existing client uh, to call immediately. So I called him and uh, he was he was freaking out. I think that was the day that the, you know, the market went way down because the, uh, you know, pandemic uh, news, you know, was like, uh, you know, out there. And uh, I didn't I wasn't even aware that it went down so much. I mean, he was like freaking out. And I, you know, and, and the irony of it was, Walter is, is uh, it was actually his wife's account, and he's on the phone talking to me about his wife's account. But to make a long story short, I said, look, you know, you got to, you know, just hold, you know, you got to hold it out. He goes, well, no, we got to do something because uh, all these people are going to lose their jobs, and this thing's going to like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, look, no panic, no sell, no sell, no lose, all right? Before, you know, the market dropped today or yesterday, you know, you had X amount of shares of, you know, all these companies and you still had the same amount of shares, maybe even more if dividends were paid. But, you know, the price is different. Why? Because of this pandemic. They're still the same companies. They still, you know, have people that are going to be going to work and, you know, doing what they're doing. So hold tight and, you know, this too shall pass. So, um, you know, I guess it was blind faith. He followed my advice and thank God because the following month, you know, I don't know what it went down in, say, March, let's just say 30% for this discussion, but it went up 30% in April. So he would have lost 30%. And again, you know, if he was in bonds, what would he have made? Maybe three, cash, maybe one, stocks, maybe six. It would have taken him like three, five, seven years to make all that money back. So that is uh, the problem with uh, people getting scared. Uh, They're too market focused and they're not plan driven. They don't focus on what's the money for, when will it be needed? And if it's not needed the next day, why would you take it out of the market when that decline might only be temporary? That's a great question. And I think we could copy and paste pretty much this same sentiment, Charles, back to 2008 or back to 2001. 
Um, you know, there's been lots of examples like this throughout history, and so many people have not learned that lesson of panic, basically, uh, doesn't lead to good financial decisions. Right. Well, you know, when you say 2008, 2009, I always ask the question of new clients that come in. I say, hey, you know, what did you do in 2008, 2009 when the market went down like, you know, over 30 percent? And, uh, you know, I guess, you know, for one of this discussion, maybe half the people, you know, stayed some half the people like converted to cash and waited it out. But then I asked him, I say, like, how long do you think it took for the market to come back to where it was? How many years? And a lot of people say five years, seven years, never came back. And the actual answer, Walter, is 37 months. So, um, again, you know, if the money's not needed for a certain period of time, what are you going to do? You're going to put it in cash and at 1% a year, it's going to take you forever to get that money back. You're better off having a plan. You know, if that money's later money, money you're going to need for a while, the downs are temporary, the ups are permanent, and maybe even be like a little bit you know, wise uh, and, and do maybe a Roth conversion and pay taxes at a lower, you know, at, at the same tax rate, but a lower uh, principal amount. And then when it comes back, all that money grew tax free. So there's always like, an advantage and a disadvantage. The glass is not always half empty. It could be always half full. Hmm, I like that. That's a great way to put it. All right, Charles, that's one example of 2020 hindsight coming into uh, into focus. What about this example? Somebody sitting across from you and saying, you know what? I wish we'd known how much risk we had in our portfolio before we took a big loss. Well, let's see. So, you know, I mean, risk-adjusted portfolios, optimal portfolios, that's kind of the buzzword today. I mean, people they're not going to get uh, overtaken risk. You're either going to take risk today for safety and security tomorrow, or you're going to take no risk today for, you know, insecurity and non-safety tomorrow. I mean, there's no such thing as living in a world with no risk. And, you know, the, the great thing about owning like, you know, equities and companies uh, is that, you know, for the most part, these companies have been around a long time. They have a track record of paying dividends. Some of them do. Uh, if you believe in capitalism in America, you know, hopefully, you know, stocks will, you know, if history's any guy, grow at six plus percent per year over time. Uh, why would you give up 50% of that uh, return instead of getting six, you only get three, say, in fixed income? When that money's not needed for a certain period of time, why not like stomach the volatility, get the 6% over time? And a lot of times people can't do that on their own. They need a trusted financial advisor. And let me just say this, Walter, like my belief system is such that I'm not going to make people a lot more money because I have like great investment ideas. I'm going to save people from themselves. I'm going to talk them off the ledge when things like this come around, when, you know, bear markets come around. And bear markets defined as a 20% or greater decrease in the value of your account. Uh, and that happens, you know, historically once every five to seven years. So if I can save somebody from a 30% monthly decline that happened in, say, the month of March of this year, 2020, and, you know, all of a sudden they made it up in the month of April because I talked them off of jumping off the ledge. I may have like made 10 times my annual fee just by, you know, being there, you know, uh, seeing eye dog, so to speak. So uh, I know it's a roundabout way to answer your question, but no panic, no sell, no sell, no lose. And under my watch, if people have a plan, they need a plan before they invest their money, they're going to actually, you know, I'm going to manage that money according to the plan, not according to the market. 
I got to tell you, that sounds like a song lyric. No panic, no sell. You know, you you could you could market that. You could you could sell that to to some music artist out there. I think that would be a great. Uh, well, I have to I have to give credit to a fellow by the name of Nick Murray in New York. I've been going to see him every year for about a dozen years, and he says the same thing. It's like going to boot camp, but you know, he has some investment principles that you know I, they're just in my bones, and I, I truly believe in them and. So that's a Nick Murray quote, and uh, I don't want to assume uh, responsibility or, you know, I don't want to get acknowledged for that. It's a, it's a, I got gotcha. that from Nick Murray. Gotcha. You're, you're spreading the love on it, though, so that's good. <laughs> that's good. All right, 2020 hindsight, always interesting to uh, think about uh, that fact, and uh, we've seen it in so many different ways. Another way that we've seen that play out is when it comes to Social Security and people saying things like, you know, I didn't really understand my options with Social Security, and in hindsight, I should have waited to start taking it later. Yeah, I mean, I I hear that a lot, only because a lot of the people that come into my office are already on Social Security. They already made their decisions. Now, uh, there's no investment out there that I'm aware of that goes, goes up by 8% a year. And uh, if you're a normal retirement age, and let's just say today the normal retirement age is age 67. Let's just use that as, as an anchor. Well, you know, if you postpone your Social Security for three years until you're age 70, your benefit's going to go up by 24%, which is 8% a year times three years, plus all the increases that those people got, you know, in the last three years, which could be another 2% a year. So my point is that, you know, if it really depends on life expectancy, I mean, I'll give you the rule of thumb that I use in my practice. And again, it's for single people, but I think people that are married, they can get something out of this rule of thumb. And here's the rule of thumb. The rule of thumb says, hey, do you think you're going to live to age 80? Yes or no? And let's just say somebody says yes, all right? And then I say, hey, do you think you're going to live well beyond age 80, which I define as 84 or more? Or do you think you're not, uh, you're just going to like, you know, you're, you're just going to pass away at age 80? Let's just say they say, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to live well beyond age 80. Well, there's a no-brainer. If you think you're going to live well beyond age 80, then you should postpone your Social Security until age 70 because the cumulative benefit is going to be, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars more depending upon how how much longer than 84 that you live. Do you follow that concept, Walter? Yeah, makes sense. All right. Now, if you're going to live to 80 and you're going to pass away at age 80, forget about income taxes. I'm oversimplifying it. But your cumulative benefit, if you took it at 62 and you lived to 80, if you took it at 67 and you lived to 80, or if you took it at 70 and lived to 80, your cumulative benefit basically is the same. So it really doesn't matter you know, forget about income taxes, although that's a big, big thing to forget about. But by and large, your cumulative benefits are going to be the same if you live to age 80. Now, only if you're going to not make it to age 80 might it be advantageous to take that Social Security check before age 70. You know, and again, it's like we have software. I won't name the name of the software company, but I, I researched it for years and years and years and finally found this company where you plug numbers in and not only does it tell you what the various strategies are, it actually tells you like what month you should start taking it if you were you know, a married uh, couple and it really depends on your income and your social security benefit is pretty cool. So a lot of people, just to tie the, uh, tidy this up, a lot of people just take social security when they're entitled to take it uh, and, you know, a lot of them who are in good health, if they had a, a do-over, they probably would wait much longer to take that benefit. So uh, it's probably one of the most important decisions you're going to make in retirement is when to take your Social Security benefit. 
Very helpful, I think, and I think a lot of people, you know, we, we kind of get mixed messages in the financial world because we say, oh, often people, Charles, put too much emphasis on Social Security for their retirement future. Like, you know, don't bank on Social Security. Uh, you need to make better plans for your future. But at the same time, it's a really important piece of the puzzle. And so that mixed messaging sometimes, I think, confuses people. And what we're just trying to say is don't rely solely on Social Security, but still get the decision right when the time comes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's a big one for sure. All right. Hindsight 2020. Uh, do we also see that play out with 401ks and IRAs and that sort of thing? And I'd say, yes, I think you've probably had some people across from you, Charles, who see the big tax bill coming down the pike and say, you know what, I probably should have put more into a Roth IRA over the years instead of saving so much in the 401k. Uh, I think people are becoming more aware of that today. There's actually like uh, company plans now that are being amended that allow uh, you know, the employees to allocate their 401k contribution or 403b contribution into a Roth component so that they're actually paying the taxes today and then the growth will be tax free. And then when they, you know, when they retire, they have the option of taking that money out or not because there's no required minimum distributions with Roth accounts. So yes, that's a big deal today. I mean, I remember God, I'm probably going back 20 years, I went to a workshop and there was a fellow and he, he, uh, he made this question, he said this question to us and it really made a lot of sense to me. He said, hey, if you were a farmer and you were actually going to the general store to purchase some seed you know, that you were going to plant for a harvest, and right before you checked out, the clerk behind the counter said, hey, you know, Mr. Weldy, do you want to pay taxes on the seed today or do you want to wait and pay taxes on the harvest tomorrow? Well, if I had that question, you know, I would have answered, hey, I'll pay the taxes on the seed today. And that's exactly what Roth IRAs do, that you actually put after-tax money in that account. And if tax rates go up in the future, and again, most people will agree they will, it's just a, ma a matter of how much, how far, uh, most people will be better served paying that tax at today's reduced tax rates than waiting for them to be forced to take that money out at age 72, uh, whether they need it or not. Most people obviously will need it, but I think we're going to be in a much higher tax bracket down the road. So uh, again, to sum this up, um, you know, everyone's different, but you know, the reality of it is, I think most people have too much money in tax deferred. And when they look at that statement that says, hey, I got a million dollars in my IRA, I don't see a million dollars. I see some red ink there, Walter. I see that maybe the IRS has a 25% partnership interest in your IRA, and you don't have a million dollars. You have $750,000 before you have to pay the piper as you take it out. So uh, Roth 401ks, Roth IRAs, I'm a big proponent of them. Uh, it's just a matter of like helping people see that, you know, hey, you know, you got this blind spot. You really don't have a million dollars in your, you know, pre-tax account. You, you know, you have a silent partner in Uncle Sam. And, uh, you know, let's do an analysis and determine should you be prepaying taxes or should you just let it ride? You know, and uh, that's the beauty of planning. You know, it's, it's more than just return on your investments. It's really after-tax return on your investments, which is critical. That's a great point as well, Charles. All right. Hindsight 2020, one more example for you. Um, and this is a big one too. Folks who come to you, Charles, have you ever had the situation where they say, you know what, I probably retired too early. Now it's hard to make ends meet, or at least they see that coming down the pike as being a possibility. So now they have to consider, you know what, I might go back to work. Yeah, I mean, um, 
I'm always like cognizant of the fact that, you know, a lot of these people are going to have 25, 30 year retirements. And, you know, that's a long time. I mean, if you subtract 25, 30 years from your current age, you know, and, and look at like that, you know, what you've done in the last 25, 30 years, that could be retirement for a lot of people. So uh, no matter how much money they have, you know, even wealthy people are concerned about running out of money in retirement. So um, I think, and again, my own personal opinion, I think a lot of people retire because they don't like their job, you know, that's a goal of theirs. And other people retire and they find out that, wow, like, you know, uh, I need to do something. So um, I don't really see a lot of people that retire too early and are bored to be candid with you, Walter. But there are some people that are forced to retire early and they need to go back to work. And um, longevity risk, I guess, is what I'm trying to get to is really such a, uh, a risk multiplier. The longer you live, the higher your medical costs maybe the higher taxes. There's so many variables that like you might need long-term care. I think as long as you can work and you're willing to work and you're good at what you do, maybe like, you know, hang in there a little bit longer and retire a little bit later. You know, again, really depends on your, you know, your health, your life expectancy, but uh, covering 25, 30 years of retirement, I think is difficult uh, for a lot of people, regardless of what assets you might have. Well, if you want to get in touch with Charles, if you are thinking that you might be exposed to some of these issues and problems that others have had in the past, some of those hindsight is 2020 kind of moments, and, and you yourself want to take better advantage of what's in front of you, certainly do so. Uh, give a call to Charles and the team at CP Weldy Group at 610-388-7705. Charles can put together a plan for you that is built to last two and all the way through retirement. Uh, it just takes some common sense planning principles, some good experience to help know, you know, the right paths to follow and the pitfalls to watch out for. And Charles can walk you through that process. If you'd like to chat for a couple minutes about your situation and see if it might be a good fit to work with Charles, you can certainly do that. Again, you can also go online to cpweldygroup.com. That's cpweldygroup.com or call that number and get in touch. And we'll put the contact info in the description of today's show. Charles, thanks for all the help, and we'll look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thank you, Walter. All right. If you have any questions for Charles, don't hesitate to reach out. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcasting apps, or always check back to cpweldygroup.com for new episodes in the future. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time on Reengineering Your Finances. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.